is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. Hi, welcome in everybody. This is Adam Wildy with the Dynasty Owners Manual. I'm joined by my good friend Chris Allen. He's at Chris Allen FFWX. I'm at APWILDE, and this is Dynasty Owners Manual. This is the first episode of our Dynasty Banter, or whatever we end up calling it, where I drink alcohol, Chris doesn't, and uh, we have fun. So, Chris, it is your understanding that I am drinking alcohol, right? Man, this intro sucks. I'm just saying, like, and normally, I, normally when I like bring the show in, there's, there's there's more pizzazz to it. Like you're just, it just sounds like, it, well, you're definitely drinking. I mean, with without a doubt, like you are definitely drinking right is, now. So I can attest to that. Understanding that you're that you're not drinking alcohol. No, but I normally I'm don't drink that during the week. I told you, I told you what I was drinking. But can you guess what is with the vodka that I am drinking? Uh, knowing you, some sort of protein drink. Yes, I did mixed whey protein with vodka. I put it in a syringe and I injected it into myself. That's but I'm going to give you a question to think about for a second while I answer because I know it's going to be a tough one. If you could take an NFL football player and you could relate him to an alcoholic beverage, who and what would that be? Now, while you think about it, I'll give you mine. Darius Geist reminds me of Jaeger bombs because Jaeger bombs made me very, very sick and sad on my 16th birthday. I was supposed to go out with friends and I drank too many of them and I fell asleep on a deck throwing up off of the side for the entire night. Needless to say, we didn't get to go out. Yikes. But I'd like to focus on the sad part because Darius Geist's career has made me very sad. Thinking about it made me pretty sad today. It's very unfortunate to me that he's gotten the pretty much prime situation i mean trent williams not playing this year kind of really sucked for him aside from the injuries i mean he did go to a really good spot he was going to get really good volume and it just hasn't worked out for him and every time he's gotten on the field he's looked really electric too i mean he had that 120 yards on 10 carries i felt like it was going to pick up more i mean they even showed their cards with the healthy scratch with adrian peterson like right off the grip i mean they're like darius is back all right adrian peterson you're out and the next week they had to bring him back because he got injured. So that it makes me about as sick as Jaeger bombs. Uh, I have to think for a second on that uh, because I want to say somebody like, let's say Alvin Kamara, somebody of sure. his type. Uh, they remind me of some pretty good whiskey. I mean, just smooth, okay. sweet. 
I mean, it, it just enjoyable from enjoyable from start to finish. And so I think what we've seen over the past, uh, not so much this season, but definitely uh, mm-hmm. last season, it's just when he had when it you could see almost the uh, I guess significant or easily like a contrasting styles between him and Mark Ingram when they were like in their like heyday yeah. of the what was yeah. it like the boom and zoom like type of thing. Where you could yeah, see like they wanted to call it. Yeah, because like you could see like Mark Ingram being like more of like the bulldozer type, but like Alvin Kamara, man, like when he when he has the ball in his hands and he's healthy, uh, I mean, dude can just like from lateral agility to I mean just like quickness burst and just like moving through traffic. I mean, it's just he kind of reminds me of uh, yeah, just a, a solid whiskey. That'd be my my take on it. But I mean, Latavius kind of could have filled in the Ingram role. He got so much flack and they're like no way you can do that boom and zoom again but i mean we were dfs guys this year and latavius was a screaming value even when he got expensive he he did great i I don't think we lost much with latavius coming in i think it was just the the kamari injury and then he just kind of didn't really pan out after that i think it was a confluence of like a number of things with the saints because you got to think one uh, Drew Brees was out for a while, so it was hard for them yeah. to really establish like any sort of, uh, I guess, switching off between the two. Because if your quarterback's not there, in order to really like take the reins, then it's it's hard for them to try and do anything like different. But then once mm-hmm. Drew Brees got back, it was kind of later in the season, and they really had to like take things seriously in order to try and make that push for the playoffs. But I think also the thing that we didn't see, like when Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, were, like were really like you know getting like getting after it, like being like top twelve running backs, like both of them, was mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the inclusion of guys like Taysom Hill, you know, kind of like <laughs> yeah. taking away like taking away those running back snaps and like and stuff like that. So, like I I think that with the inclusion of like with all of that put together, you didn't really see a chance for both of them to have value together. I mean, like on top of mm-hmm. Kamara's injury. It was more of it was either like one or the other. Like one was either one was doing well or the other one was doing well, or or it was Michael Thomas, like you know one of the two. So it was. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it was more of that than anything else. I think I think at least this season, if like in a different universe where Drew Brees doesn't get hurt and we don't see Teddy for however many weeks was it like a month, six mm-hmm. weeks, something like that. I think in a in a parallel universe, I think uh, Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara like could have had similar value. I wish I knew how to do this. It would be nice to put together a heat map of both Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and see um, if their often targeted areas overlapped quite a bit. Because I feel like a wide receiver that plays predominantly out of the slot or at least a lot above average out of the slot will say – uh, has to hinder a running back that's getting those short checkdowns often when the dude breaks the record. <laughs> like that had to have hindered him a little bit. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, you could. I think that could definitely be done because they have heat maps for uh, for passes and for or for quarterbacks. I would assume that right. they probably have something similar for uh, for running backs and wide receivers as to where their targets are coming from. So I've seen like heat maps for teams. I'm assuming you can probably do the same for players. Uh, so yeah, it would, yeah I don't it think would it'd be that hard. To, yeah, I don't think it'd be that difficult to come up with where they were, uh, like where they were targeted at individually. But I think the way that they were used, Alvin Kamara more downfield, Latavius Murray like more short stuff because he's more he's serviceable as a receiver, but definitely not like right. you know, running a ton of like routes or anything like that, like Alvin Kamara was. Uh, 
I still think at least uh, their their I think their value could have been very similar, or just as you put it earlier in a in a simpler way, is that Latavius Murray could have fulfilled the Mark Ingham role as we saw like a couple years ago. But I just think again, it was just more right. of other stuff going on in that offense than just Latavius Murray unable to do the job. Right. All right. So I'm sorry, but my hands are tied. <sighs> I'm obligated. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Um, okay. So I, I know that in the, uh, in the dynasty circles that we run through, uh, this person, mm-hmm. uh, like I was go, I'll, I'll go ahead and put it out there. Um, uh, so I, I heard on, uh, the pod father, Matt Kelly's, uh, show, mm-hmm. uh, this was probably around the same time that we were having, the, like everyone was having the discussion of Julian Edelman being a hall of famer. And I do think that Which Matt, have been a discussion. well, yeah, but I, I do think that Matt Kelly had had a good point in that it's called okay. the Hall of Fame. It's not called the Hall of Stats. So, like, sure. while I know a number of folks like want to, like, a, a lot of folks want to prop up Eli Manning's, uh, you know, his it, like a lot of his stats are cumulative, right? Like because he's mm-hmm. been in the league for so long, like what sixteen years, uh, sixteen seasons or whatever. Yeah. Like a lot right. of his stuff is like cumulative. Like he's in the top five for like number, like total yards, touchdowns, and all these other things. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, and I remember seeing Pat Thorman's uh, tweet from I think it was yesterday or two days ago when the announcement came out, is that on top of all the great things that he's done, I mean the total number yeah. of interceptions, fumbles. I mean, lo- I mean, it, there's so many Losses. negative things <laughs> that I mean he literally ended his career at like at 500 in terms of QB wins. So, but still, if you want to talk about getting into the Hall of Fame, and how can you how can you legitimately tell the story of the NFL over the past sixteen seasons since he's been in it without him being a part of it? And now, really, and to be quite honest, it really comes down it boils down to the David Tyree catch, because I, I think without that, right? I think without that, we're really not having this discussion. Yeah, and right, I think, right. and, I, and I honestly think there's a case to be made that at no point. I honestly can't. I honestly can't think of anybody that's ever come to me or have ever overheard a conversation where anybody's actually right. said like Eli Manning is a great quarterback at no point in his right. career season. So I don't think there's anything that he's done that would, I mean, just really say that yes, he absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But at the right. same time, with the highlights and with the memorable things that he's been a part of, I mean, completely stopping the Patriots, uh, you know. Uh, perfect season, so on, like so on and so forth. He was like the the bane of the Patriots' existence two times. <laughs> I think he gets in. Like, does he deserve to get in? Yeah. No. Do I think like guys like Tony Romo should get in? Absolutely. But if we're right. talking about it being the Hall of Fame, that's just one of the the most memorable things over the past you know fit, almost two decades that yeah. I can remember happening. And the very same thing for Julian Edelman's catch when they played against in the Super Bowl against Atlanta. It's just one of those things where you you can't tell the story of the NFL throughout the last couple of decades without thinking of those memorable things. And so again, if it's it's not the Hall of Stats, it's the Hall of Fame and I, I think he winds up getting in. Yeah, so I think that the people who have Hall of Fame votes are gonna have this same conversation as you and I and it's gonna end with screw it, he's in. So like, right. We, but I think the, see, but the problem for me is that like when you ask yourself that question, I mean, can you even without the Super Bowl wins, can the same be said for guys that we we know to be good, like 
Tony Romo for sure. Um, yeah. Even Philip Rivers, yeah. if he winds up hanging him up, like after after this season, I mean, guys that like are just are on the edge of being in the Hall of Fame, but it's just because right. of one thing or another. No Super Bowl rings. I mean, for both Romo and Rivers, it's just what's the case to be made? Because if they don't right. have the stats to, in order to back up, you know, putting them in there. Can you really tell – can you tell the story – again, the same question. Can you tell the story of the past two decades without those two guys? I say no. But then there's there's guys like Megatron who, like, didn't do a crazy amount in terms of, like you say, the Hall of Fame um, besides just being better than everybody and probably better than almost everyone that's ever played. So, like, do we just give the Hall of Fame to those guys because it's just obvious, like – I don't need to look at any of his, his numbers because I watch. I watched him play. He was better than everybody. It, it just wasn't even close. And then he was better than everyone I've seen in my life. So well, I think in uh, Calvin better. Johnson's <laughs> case, like I think there's a case to be made for him because he actually. I think he does have the stats in order to in order to yeah. like make it in. So I'm looking at. Uh, there's a couple of things where um, he has the most consecutive, like hundred yard games. I think this was, uh, and this, uh, this was from 2016. I don't know if it's been broken since then, but like the most How consecutive, many? like hundred yard games, he had eight, uh, most okay, receiving. So Adam Thielen had seven. So no, it hasn't been broken. Right. Most receiving yards in a five game stretch. He had 861 receiving, 861 receiving yards in a five game stretch. Okay. Uh, most consecutive Jeez. games with 10 or more catches. Okay. I mean, so there. I mean, there's there's cases to be made for also the quickest to reach ten thousand career receiving yards. So it's just. I mean, for Calvin yeah. Johnson, I think there's there's a case to be made because he he holds records. I mean, uh, Eli Manning doesn't hold records, but he has rings. True. I don't know about yeah. I don't know about Romo and Rivers. I don't. I, I'm assuming they don't hold any records. So it's just it's difficult. No, Romo might have been a completion percentage guy, but yeah, not anymore for sure. Right. So it's just it's hard for me to it's hard for me to stack up, like or make the same case as you would with Eli because I mean, Eli wound up yeah. going to the Super Bowl and have those memorable moments. Tony Romo, like as good as he was, and he has the stats to back it up. Do people or will the Hall of Fame voters care about stats? And I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm just happy he was able to secure the bag, and he winds up getting this like massive contract with ESPN. Dude, if anyone ever lights poop on fire on Ben McAdoo's front porch, we know exactly who did it. Oh, well, yeah. maybe not exactly because it might have been me, but it was probably Eli Manning. Like, <laughs> what? What animal would do that? That's Eli Manning for absolutely no reason. To see somebody that we can't even remember. Was it Gino? Um, didn't he want to see Gino and not even the other guy that also didn't matter? Yeah, I think you might be right. It was uh, it was one of those guys that are, like is not even a starter anymore and might right. be. Yeah. And has like almost, yeah. Mm-hmm. Punch somebody in the face, whatever. All right. It's early. Who is your favorite rookie so far? And I can go first if you'd like. Wait, from favorite rookie after from the 2019 class after they finished their rookie season or favorite rookie 20, from the 20, 2020 class? Um, as of right now, um, as of right now, my favorite rookie is probably CD. 
Um, but that's okay. me. I, I'm biased because um, for anybody that follows my work, they know that uh, like I wrote a piece on Kyler Murray uh, f- like during like uh, over the off season before he got or shortly after he got drafted to Arizona, and I did uh, I did a bunch of charting uh, throughout Kyler Murray's final season when he was at Oklahoma, and just seeing yep. uh, just seeing him Hollywood and CD like on the on the field together I mean it was just I mean Marquise like he definitely stole the show but you could see the makings of a great wide receiver in CD Lamb because if it wasn't Marquise it was it was CD I mean it was just like and uh they had actually a pretty solid tight end at the time as well I forget I cannot remember the guy's name um but either way it was it was one of those three and it was mostly concentrated around Hollywood and and CD Lamb so I mean I saw I saw the most tape on CD and it was just like my gosh I mean I can't wait till this dude comes out, um, but I mean but still uh, I got family down south and they've been talking to me about Jerry Judy for a while I've watched Judy but it's just I'm, yeah. I'm biased and I guess I prefer I prefer CD. Yeah, yeah we're gonna have a Judy versus CD off season. Um, I love Jerry Judy, but my favorite is Mr. Joe Burrow and. We have AJ Green next year, probably, right? I mean, I think he so. Wants to stay there, they want him there. I Depends don't think on he's how they in. decide to pay him. Because if they wind up franchise tagging him, I just think that's a, that's doing yeah. him a disservice. No, no. Here's the thing. I think it is. I, I was having this discussion the other day. He, players that like him, and I know he wants to play till like 37. He's like a stats driven kind of guy, like. His, his consecutive thousand yard um, streak is is jacked up now. But I listened to an interview with him and Adam Schefter, and he's like down to play till thirty eight or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't do that, guys like that have just lived there. Like we forget that these guys are people as well as players. And like my kids are in this school, and I've been working on this house for this long, and. I like how my taxes work here. Like they want to stay and he's 31 and he's been there since he was drafted. So unless it's like an insulting offer, I think he's got all the incentive in the world to stay. Yeah, I I think so. It's just, if you want to try and finish your career out and I think that even with, um, so even with Burrow, like we're assuming, like we're assuming Burrow's going to come in. So working with a, working in a new system because he really wasn't able to play with Zach Taylor this past season or even really practice or get to understand like all the, all the route combinations and all that. But you got to think, I mean, even if he does come back, that'd be so, it's got to be so much fun in order to be able to run around with some of these guys, assuming they're all healthy. Cause we saw, I mean, Tyler Boyd was still a mainstay in that offense. I mean, Auden Tate, like John Ross is going to be John John Ross. Ross, like, like he started to come on. Yeah, he started to come on like later on in the season. Uh, yeah. I, I'm assuming Tyler Eifert's going to be gone, but that's more like cap related situation than anything right. else. And who even cares? Like, well, just yeah, get we'll him see. someone. Yeah, just get some. But uh, but for sure, I mean, with Joe Mixon being able to play really well despite the offensive line, yeah. you got to think they're going to have at least uh, two of their offensive starters coming back like after injury this past season. Yeah, their so, center, their rookie center, was drafted early last year, right? He uh-huh. didn't get to play. Yeah. So I mean they've yeah. got so they have help coming already on the offensive line and with AJ Green being able to come back 
he can kind of work himself back into into like playing shape like over the off season and mm-hmm. assuming he's ready to go i mean that's that's actually a really uh, a pretty decent uh, offensive core to start off with if you're yeah. a quarterback like Joe Burrow even though i know it's going to it might take some time for him to adjust and we'll see if they want to try and uh you know let i'm assuming any Dalton's going to be gone so if they want yeah, to try and yeah. stick somebody like Finley in there, almost like the, pretty much the same way that they did with um, uh, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, like let somebody right. else like start the season and then you know after things like go bad, which is what's likely going to happen, they just kind of throw they put Joe Burrow in and he takes over from there. I, I don't know if he's going to end up starting the season. I don't think, know. I don't think he's. I think he starts right away. I, there's no point. I mean he. He started his senior year way better than Riley uh, <laughs> Finley, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I think he was better than Finley last year, but I I just think that this is this is actually a good situation for a rookie quarterback for a change. Yeah, I mean Kyler came into a decent one. I mean, one, they moved on from Rosen pretty quickly, so I I don't think he was ever in doubt that he was going to be the guy. But I think Joe Burrow walks in right away. He's got a brand new head coach. You could pretty much talk last year up as as whatever. I mean, Zach Taylor didn't have his team last year. He was playing with Marvin Lewis's team. Joe Burrow walks right in. It's got the vet and AJ Green, one of the best wide receivers to play, at least in the last decade or so. Um, John Ross came on and that kind of speed is a big deal, especially for a young quarterback, especially for an accurate young quarterback. So mm-hmm. people scoff at John Ross because of the start of his career, which fine his first carry 12 yards, fumbled it, didn't get to play the rest of the year. But Marvin Lewis was an idiot. That's why he doesn't have a job. Right. So Tyler Boyd has proven to be that reliable possession receiver. So how many times does a rookie quarterback get to come in with three favorable wide receivers, let's say, above average respectively as wide receiver ones, twos, and threes? And then for whatever Joe Mixon's worth. I mean, I'm not a big Joe Mixon fan and running back or whatever, but it's got to be helpful. Um, especially since it seems that he's at least fixed some of the issues that he had in pass protection. He was already okay at it anyways. Yeah. So we we get a quarterback in a favorable position. You just take him at one-on-one. Somebody tweeted yesterday, well, like, what would have to happen for one of the running backs to be drafted ahead of Joe Burrow in Superflex startups, uh, Superflex rookie drafts? It, there's not a landing spot that I think a running back goes over Joe Burrow. No, I can't think of one that readily comes to mind uh, because Swift even, the Chiefs has to be the example, and and no, I'm still taking Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm still taking Joe Burrow because I, I'm I'm still well, I'm I'm still biased because I believe in Damian Williams. That's a whole other thing. But uh, yeah. most of the other spots, I mean, you can think of somebody trying to wind up down in Tampa, but I don't think Tampa's going to wind up drafting a running back. Uh, somebody yeah. winding up like in in Houston, but I don't see them. Uh, that, I don't see them like drafting a running back either, because well, one because they don't have any pick until they don't have a pick until the second round, third round, something like that. Yeah, I think it's third round actually. Right. So it's just if they if they're even the situations that we would like. Uh, some of these rookies to land in either the team doesn't have the capital or they at least have enough there that drafting a running back doesn't make sense then it's just I I can't see a situation where uh, like opportunity would present itself such that I would want to take one of them over a quarterback 
or Joe Burrow, like specifically in in Superflex, obviously. Yeah, and I think actually Duke Johnson ended up costing a third, right? Because whatever the incentive is, he probably hit it. I'm assuming. Yeah. Remember, it was a fourth, a fourth with potential to become a third. I'd I have to so, look yeah. into confirm. But if that's the case, and I'm pretty sure they don't have a second, they might not have a pick to the fourth. That sounds crazy. We'd have to look into that one. I mean, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound too crazy considering it's Bill O'Brien. That's the you know supreme <laughs> chancellor of the Houston yeah. uh, Houston Texans. So, but I think they have a pick in the third round. I think. All right. So, who was your favorite rookie this past year? Then, um, my favorite rookie this past season it would probably had to have been uh, Miles Sanders. At least that that was my oh, that was that was my pick kind of going into the season. Uh, I know everyone's like everyone's up on AJ Brown. Um, I know everyone's up on DK Metcalf. So I think those are like the easy ones yeah. you can kind of throw out. Everybody loved them. So if I wanted to like go yeah. a little bit farther down the beaten trail, that's where I, I would fall on. I'd follow Miles Sanders. I mean, because it seemed like at the start of the year that they wanted to try and, you know, do this whole, like, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, like, one-two punch-like type of deal. Yeah. And it just – I think it became really clear probably around, like, week eight or nine that oh, – especially since Jordan Howard got hurt with the shoulder thing, which was a shoulder-neck thing, which became a shoulder-neck right. and something else thing, which the team never really discussed or, like, let everybody know like, what was going on. Which was just play Miles Sanders then. Yeah, and it was just like play Miles Sanders. And like, lo and behold, the athleticism that we saw when he was still in college trans and, uh, and during the combine too translated into him being really good as a, you know, as a player, not just as a running back, but especially since their uh, pass catching core was depleted. Yeah. Like we see him go out there and he balls out. And I think he was one of the reasons why they were at least able to at least make a go of, you know, trying to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, I think I'm a little sour because you can't forget the three uh, Miles Sanders chalk weeks that we had to eat the bad chalk for oh, yeah. before we got good Miles Sanders. Process, I mean, it process, wasn't like, process. I'll take that. <laughs> we, we thought we thought we were going to get just a stud right away. You and I were both Josh Jacobs one-on-one guys by the end of last year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were both Nikhil Harry for a while, and then I was just like, it's it's not going to be worth it. I mean, imagine what you could get with Nikhil Harry right now for Josh Jacobs. I mean, oh, Nikhil yeah. Harry would be a throw-in for Josh Jacobs right now. At this now. point, yeah. And in, in three years, that could be silly. Uh, I get kind of poopy doing DK so uh, as, as the obvious option. So I'll take Terry McLaurin just because I'm a former Redskins fan, and the team is absolutely horrible, and I think anybody succeeds in that organization is – um, getting over a massive speed bump, uh, especially since, unfortunately, Dwayne Haskins did not look good ever at all in any case. The only game he looked good on, he didn't even finish because he was taking a selfie on the sideline. So Case Keenum gets that W. Um, I just think that Terry – and it's sad because we had the whole narrative with Dwayne Haskins – asking the team to draft either Paris Campbell or Terry McLaurin, and he got mm-hmm. his wish – with Terry McLaurin, and then Terry McLaurin was much better with Case Keenum, like significantly better. Dwayne Haskins was a huge detriment to uh, Terry McLaurin when he came in, but he did very well, and he also got injured right a little bit there. I think he missed a couple games. Yeah, towards two, the end of the season, two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two, maybe three. Because that's when so we started having to play guys like uh, Steve Sims. And, Sims, uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, Terry McLaurin, a lot of people are – 
digging back into his profile because there's a reason we drafted him in the third round, right? I mean, his his profile wasn't fantastic, and then he just went and balled out. And then now people are saying, yeah, he balled out, but his profile wasn't fantastic. I don't know that it's necessarily productive to dig back into his profile after you've already seen him excel and be like, yeah, but he's not going to continue to excel. You know what I mean? Like, why are you doing that? Now you're selling Terry McLaurin short because – his profile was bad, but he already like doesn't he get a new profile? Well, I think in in that case, well? like for for that case, it's where we go back and reexamine our priors and figure out like what about the process led us to think that Terry McLaurin wouldn't be a good wide receiver, and if we missed on something and there's something that needs to be changed about our process in evaluating yeah, college yeah. talent moving forward, then I guess that makes sense because yeah, like I pulled up his uh, player profile. Uh, page and it looked like his his college dominator rating was uh, 17.7%, so it's the 17th percentile. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's fairly low, but if you think about, and, and I think folks have been having this conversation like on Twitter for the past couple of weeks, like talking about the whole market share thing, where it's like yeah. if you see the type of offense that they come from, then that's where folks like would try and retrofit the, oh, well, he went to Ohio State, and so right. you know, low passing offense, and that's when that's when you can start to that's when folks start to retrofit these narratives like two players so that they can then say, oh, okay, well it kind of makes sense that you know he's good now cool. because look he was he tested really well athletically, but he wasn't getting the requisite targets like within uh like he wasn't hitting those target thresholds for us to really prop him up as like one of those wide receivers that we should have gone gone after in the draft. I mean, a lot of folks, I, I would say, the not the same uh, scenario, but a lot of folks were almost completely blown away by Michael Thomas in his first season. But it was like, oh, now yeah. let's go back and let's take a look at his profile. Oh, okay. But, you know, then the same thing for Paris Campbell. I mean, a lot of those guys, well, Ohio State, but still. Right. It, was the same, it was the same story or like the same type of narrative that folks had to retrofit to their takes after they saw them play after their rookie season. But here's the thing that's going to happen, and I was on deployment for 2016, so I don't know. And I don't know if you were doing Dynasty yet. Were you doing Dynasty in 2016 yet? Mm-mm. Okay, so I will almost guarantee you from doing this for 12 years minus one that I was on deployment, so 11 years of Dynasty, that people were screaming to sell bad Michael Thomas, who is now good Michael Thomas, for – Good Michael Thomas, who is now bad Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. because of the profile. So we do so much work in this offseason prior to players getting drafted, and then we kind of panic. But wait, why? Doesn't it match my profile? Why does he do right. so well? Well, here's this super sweet color-coded chart to show you all of the players that this guy profiled to be similar to them. And lo and behold, they all suck. So he's going to suck. Okay, well, now you're going to sell Terry McLaurin short because he didn't get to finish the season strong. So a player that didn't finish the season strong is already going to be a discount because it's what have you done for me lately for Dynasty Market. So he's already not full potential because if you didn't sell him when he was absolutely balling, then you didn't get max value. And you're not even going to let the dude get to a sophomore season because he didn't profile well last year. But then he came in and he did amazing. So I just think we do that way too often. We we get so married to our process that we refuse to throw it in the trash when it deserves to be garbage. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say throw it in the trash, but I think a lot of folks don't go back and revise their process afterwards. Like, there's no feedback loop in to say that, okay, well, I missed on this guy. Well, why did you miss on this guy? Like, what about like what about your process led you down the path to say that I don't want to invest a first, second, or even third round pick like in in a player? And so when that happens, it's just you'll continually like f- like fall into those traps. And unless you go back and take a look at, like, okay, well, am I not taking this into account? Am I not taking, again, since market share has been the thing that people talk about, am mm-hmm. I not really accounting for that, like, as I should be, or whatever metric, like, you want to insert, then that's where you'll continually fall into the same uh, type of, like, it'll lapse into the same thing, like, year over year, and you'll wind up making the same mistakes and miss out on players. So here's a question. If we are going to marry our process, would you trade Terry McLaurin straight up for Nikhil Harry right now? Um, hmm, now that I'm thinking about it, mm, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I mean, I think I should. I yeah. think you could. I think you could. I think you could. I think you should. I don't know that I would. <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I mean, think if that came across. Now, take that back. I don't think I'd do it straight up, to be quite honest with you. I'd probably ask for a little bit more than just Nikhil Harry. Yeah, if you just throw me a fourth so I can sleep at night, like, I think I might do that. Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, Terry McLaurin, I mean, the the offense, I would say, would almost be not necessarily completely revamped, but you have to think that there was almost, like, no competition for targets, like, in there. I mean, uh, Paul Richardson, I mean, nothing. Jordan Reed, nothing. I mean, there was like there was no really competition like for pass catchers, right. like, other than uh, I mean, definitely not what we assumed coming into the season because we assumed most of those guys were going to be there. Even Chris Thompson, I mean, we assumed that we're going to be there were more pass catchers that were going to be available in that offense, and really the only game in town was Terry McLaurin. So I mean, if we think that from a pass catching standpoint, there's going to be more options available. We hope, or at least the assumption, is that Dwayne Haskins makes a uh, makes a step forward in his sophomore year, so yeah. he starts to spread the ball a little bit more. The running game, we'll see if Geis is back. We'll see if Love is back. Uh, I mean, so I mean, there. I would assume that his target share winds up dropping like next season. He's not able to repeat. Now, on the same side, on the other side, with with Harry. When they have to mm-hmm. wind up addressing like their their receiving core, and I don't think it's really by adding guys. I think it's more by uh, leveraging Nikhil Harry's like strengths because I didn't see any other wide receivers getting carries out of the backfield like last season. Like they weren't yeah. utilizing any other wide receivers like in multiple facets multiple facets of the game. So if they understand like the athletic abilities that Nikhil Harry has. Then they should try and build around that. Like if, you know, I'm assuming Edelman's coming back if he's not like jumping on cars, but they they have enough to build around like in Harry from an athletic standpoint that I think that his opportunity will increase. While I don't see McLaurin's increasing, his will either stay the same or drop. So I would look at Nikhil Harry as an ascending asset, and Terry McLaurin as either a hold or sell. Yeah. Yeah, I think I buy everything you said. And I'm still gonna have to think about it for three days. Mm-hmm. I I don't know because I think that we have, I think that we believe that Nikhil Harry is what we thought he was, and he didn't necessarily get the opportunity to show that he wasn't. He had some drops that I thought was extremely uncharacteristic. I, 
I felt yeah. like he had pretty strong hands. Some people, you know, now that I think about it, some people did mention that he had a few drops, but yeah, I didn't Arizona think he State, like he, yeah, like I, yeah, it was one of those things where it was a minor concern, but then, right. but then when you start playing with Tom Brady and like and somebody on the Patriots staff mentions it, then it becomes a big concern. Yeah, like you just can't, you know, you're not allowed to. And I, and I did see him get yelled at a little bit by Brady, which whatever he yells at everyone. Yeah, but so I, just, I think that like the system that he was asked to learn didn't really leverage his strengths. Like to be quite honest yeah. with you, now that like if I if I wanted to like tug on that thread a little bit more, if let's say let's say if and I don't think that they would have done it, but let's say that. DK Metcalf would have gone to the Patriots and then Nikhil Harry had gone to the Seahawks. Who do you okay. think would have had a, the more productive rookie season? Cuz I think Nikhil Harry in Harry. yeah, in the Seattle's offense and his like route versatility would have had a much more productive rookie season than DK Metcalf over in uh, over in New England. Right. Like if they were just why to swap we, places. Why do we think that New England is good with personnel? I don't know. I think it's just, I, I think, do. no, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I think it's more of you're just attached to an offense that you assume is going to score points some way or somehow. And so if you are the younger and if you have one of the younger assets on that team, then it's easier for you to think that there's going to be more opportunity, opportunity for that player. Because if the Patriots want you, then they want you to be a, a like a significant part, or at least enough of that offense that, they would be yeah. a weekly fantasy asset. But they aren't going to do anything for you to succeed. They're going to be like, yeah, we want you guys to be good. But like, if you can't do exactly what we want you to do, you're just not going to be good and we're not going to care because we're not budging. For example, if somebody told you during the 2018 draft process that Sony Michelle is best comp to LeGarrette Blunt, how much would you have laughed on a scale from 1 to 10? But they turn him into a human battering ram, and he's got bad knees. Like, yeah. And that they do that every year, and every year we think it's going to be different. Nikhil Harry was the best wide receiver coming out last year. I yeah. don't think it was even a particularly close question. Unfortunately, we got really high on Hakeem Butler there at the end, but we still had A.J. Brown and Nikhil Harry ahead of him. Right. And he, they just ruined him. They ruined him. They, they, it, I think they asked too much from the rookies. But going forward, he probably has the opportunity to succeed. But I agree. If Nikhil Harry was in Seattle, he's going to top probably twelve hundred yards because they just it, yeah his like his route running ability and his versatility mm-hmm. as a, a rusher out of the backfield. I think that would have been they would be able to utilize that much quickly much more quickly than like DK Metcalf where it was just while the usage was obvious, you're just, you're still on a run first team. So unless you're put into those situations, because even look at you, you didn't really see DK Metcalf start to come on until later on in the season. We're just like, Oh shit, we have but to win. Developed as yeah. he came on, which was right. what you should do. Right. Exactly. And I think they, they pushed him and they helped him develop to, and then get that chemistry mm-hmm. with Russ Whereas it was just Nikhil Harry wasn't showing that early chemistry with Tom Brady. Like even during training camp, they're just like, no, we're going to put you on IR. So it's just he didn't have the yeah. same opportunity. Whereas I think if the roles had been reversed, I think we would have been talking about Nikhil Harry being like, okay, try and, you know, try and buy as much of him as you can. And like mm-hmm. he's, you know, now this like this, you know, this top prospect like coming out of the 2019 season. 
I just think the the stories would have been completely different, but it's just the the teams that they went to and how they value rookies is just completely different. Yeah, I feel like DK came in. They're like, hey, man, we're just going to get you the ball like pretty much any way possible for the first few weeks. And then like we'll work up to things. And then yeah. DK's like, OK, cool. I'm going to wear this pacifier mouthpiece and everything's going to be tight. <laughs> and then Nikhil Harry comes in and they're like, uh, hey, dude, what's your name? He's like, oh, I'm Nikhil. And Tom's like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So if you get this coverage, I want you to run this route. But if you get this coverage, I want you to run this route. And I really want your leverage to be here. And uh, if you hear me yell ostrich, then I really want you to just do this. And he's like, uh, uh, okay, I'm just going to go to IR. <laughs> like, they yeah. don't facilitate rookies. They don't care. They want you to be a patriot. Yeah, the expectation is that you're already at that professional level, like where you can run the offense the way right. that a first ballot, six-time Super Bowl winner, like, you know, quarterback <laughs> wants you to run that offense. And it's just... He's just not there. Oh. He's just, he's just not there. <laughs> I felt so bad for the dude getting yelled at by Tom Brady in the yeah. playoffs. Like you know, he's trying so hard. Well, it's and reminiscent of um, uh, it's, yeah, it's reminiscent of Cody Lat uh, Cody Latimer getting yelled at by Peyton Manning when he was still in Denver. Yeah. It's just like, and everybody thought Cody Lat- Latimer was a decent prospect, but it's just yeah. Peyton Manning wound up like shooting his confidence to the point where. Where is he at nowadays? Uh, I think he plays for the Giants, I think. No, not anymore. He did. I don't think he does anymore. Right. And it was just he was a good prospect, but it's just if you get stuck on the wrong team with with that quarterback that just expects so much out of you almost immediately, then you're – if you don't – if you can't hack it right out of the gate, then you're just not going to make it. That reminds me of the first game. Do you remember that Devontae Adams used to suck at football? Yeah. I mean, it like he was like dropping balls everywhere. I mean, yeah. despite the fact that he was getting just like, uh, like a minimum like twenty percent target share, it just didn't matter. He would just drop the balls. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb got hurt in the same game, and it was either Devontae Adams' first year or second year because it took him like three years to be good. I think his first year or second year that they they both got hurt and all he had was Devontae Adams. His first six targets to Devontae Adams were either drops by Devontae Adams or the wrong route run by Devontae Adams. I remember him just digging into him after the game and he was like pretty much I'm never going to throw it to him again and now they're like best friends ever and also superstars. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean you, you hear stories about like wide receivers being able to turn it around but then at the same yeah. time, you hear like these horror stories of others that just like their confidence is completely shot. It just it just depends on one your talent, and I think that Nikhil Harry is talented. Don't get me wrong, but two also the the situation that you find yourself in. And I think for uh, well, I think for Devonte when he was playing with uh, like an aging like Jordy Nelson and Randall Cl- Randall Cobb, who we saw couldn't hack it as a wide receiver one as a slot receiver back in what was that twenty sixteen uh, when mm-hmm. Jordy Nelson was out with the ACL injury. So I think that Devontae Adams, like, he had, like, just nothing but uh, – they had no choice but to continue giving him the opportunity. I think yeah. with Akil Harry, it's going to wind up being the same thing because, like, even if Julian Edelman comes back next season, an older slot receiver, they're outside mm-hmm. receivers. Uh, so it's, what, Jacoby Myers. It's Philip Dorsett. Um, I have no idea, like, what they're going to do with Mohamed Sanu. So they really don't have, like, a ton of talent. Like other than Nikhil Harry, in order to just continue to push him, give him give him volume, and continue to put like help, like well, I guess give him the tough love like type uh, type of help in order to have him develop as a receiver, and it 
it might not be next season. We'll see if Tom Brady continues to play for, you know, two, three more years. But, again, I still think from an opportunity standpoint, uh, Nikhil Harry has, I think, his his opportunity is pointing up versus Terry McLaurin's. Yep, yep. All right, and if anybody wants to argue that uh, the Patriots do have a quality personnel department, just uh, explain to me how Mohamed Sanu is just as valuable as Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, do you have any uh, parting words before I get us out of here, Chris? Um, no. I mean, do we want to talk about the Super Bowl real quick, or do we care? I guess as Dynasty owners, we really care at this point. Not really, but we also need something to save for next week. So we'll make Super Bowl predictions next week. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's not really a ton to talk about this week anyway, because they're like the both teams are just now getting into practices right. and whatnot. So it's not a ton to talk about right now. But I mean, I am happy to see Patrick Mahomes in the uh, in the in the Super Bowl, even if it's not Lamar. I'm just glad it's uh, I'm glad it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I like that we get to see boring versus exciting. So that's going to be the Dynasty Banter Show, everybody. He is Chris Allen, FFWX. I am APWILDE. Please comment, rate, review, subscribe. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on Podbean. Uh, we'll get other places and just kind of let us know how you like the show. We're out. The books, kid, read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.